0: Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. All right, guys, I think we're good to go. Richard, big thank you for joining us today on the show. Really looking forward to talking with you. Great.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, For our guests at home, how long have you been in the, the wind industry?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm an old fella now. So uh, I've been in it my whole life. So I actually started uh, windsurfing at a very young age, I think I was 12. And I, I was uh, quite heavily involved in uh, the competitive side of windsurfing. So, you know, in my early, early teen years, I was already going to trade shows for various sponsors. Um, so I was actually, I think I was 15 or I think it was 17. I went to my first big trade show in Germany. It was the Ispo show for a windsurfing brand. So I was starting to to understand the uh, the sort of wind sport business. Um, Oh, nice. And
2: yeah, and And then which brands
1: were you with at the time? uh, I was sponsored. Actually, the probably the most interesting one, and I, I believe it was a company called Rainbow, which was an Israeli brand of uh of windsurfing equipment so i actually went to it worked in their booth at that particular show but i had you know quite a few different sponsors uh back in the day i think it primarily in north america it was sponsored by mistral when i was in my yeah. early tw- you know 20s and windsurfing hawaii and um you know, bare wetsuits and yeah, all kinds of different sponsors. So
2: yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I, that's interesting about Rainbow. I hadn't heard of them before. I'm actually Israeli, so I'm gonna need to brush up on my uh Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was a company called rotoplast Um they're they're a big roto molding company in Israel and so many, so many companies, just like you're seeing now with with uh wing foiling, you know, everybody saw the windsurfing exploding in the, the early eighties. So you know, so many companies jumped in. I think uh, there was even Porsche, Porsche windsurfers and, you know, Conley water ski had windsurfing boards, uh, you name it. They were all in there. We're seeing the same thing with
0: wing foiling right now. Oh, yeah. It's just been a, a huge and massive explosion. What first brought you to water sports?
1: Uh, well, I, you know, for me personally, it was um, I. I was very lucky I grew up. My family grew up in uh, Sydney on Vancouver Island, so I was I grew up on a waterfront house. I've I've never really not lived on the water, so it was always right there. (laughs) Beautiful, yeah. So uh, even my even my high school was on the last, and look out the window and see the wind blowing, and I was out of there uh, on on my windsurfer. So yeah, just very very fortunate. So water's always been there. That's that's how
0: it all started. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So then. Got sponsored. You get to kind of ride around and, and and visit different spots in the world, and and then what was your first introduction to the business world aspects yeah. of, of wind sports? Because you started pretty young age as well into there. Yeah. So what happened was
1: right after my my competitive racing, I, I had a few job opportunities within the industry, and uh, I didn't want to move away from Victoria for obvious reasons. You guys are all moving here. It's an incredible place to live, and one of them was with Whites. Diving. Uh, so they were a local manufacturer making wetsuits here in Victoria. Um, so as soon as I stopped racing, I think I was 22, I started working for them, uh, trying to sell, and I was involved in trying to design wetsuits. The day I started, that company was acquired by Johnson Worldwide Associates, which is uh, Johnson Wax, essentially. Um, and then I was working for three years on wetsuits in the water sports market for a brand called Scuba Pro. And we also had a uh, water sport wetsuit lineup called White Hot. That lasted about three years. They, um, they actually ended up moving their factory to Mexico, which freed up all the equipment and staff here in Victoria. People started getting you know, laid off. Uh, my job was gonna go the way of the dodo bird as well, because they were, they were moving everything to Ontario and I, I did not want to okay. move to Ontario. So mm. anyway, I partnered with a fellow named Frank White Jr., and we bought all the machinery back, and we continued with the Water Sports wetsuit line. So I was, I think it was 25, and I ended up owning half of uh, a new startup called White's Manufacturing, which was, you know, continuing on the legacy of the White family. Um,
0: yeah, that's, and that's pretty that's, exciting at 25.
1: Yeah, so we built that yeah. up, and uh, it was in basically t- 2001 or sorry, 1999 that I, we saw the first 98, the first images of kite surfing happening. And we all rushed out and like everybody else bought, uh, you know, power, power kites for land bugging and made our own control bars and did the whole MacGyver thing at the beginning. Cause there was there was no equipment had a ton oh, of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and that's how ocean rodeo started. So ocean rodeo, We started as a brand in 2001 and started uh, Ross Harrington, who's a good friend of mine. And he actually taught me how to windsurf Ross because he was much older. He was two years older than me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's, that's the story right there. We sold whites in uh, 2010 to Air Liquide, which is, um, uh, you know, big French multinational, but they own a company called Aqualung, which is a big dive brand. So they, Okay. They bought our company for dry suits and and that left me with Ocean Rodeo. We started uh, started with dry suits originally under the Ocean Rodeo brand. That, um, that went really well. So we designed these really sort of funky looking dry suits for kiteboarding, new styling. And then uh, Ross came on board and started designing his kites. He'd been making kites in his garage. So uh, I went off to Asia and found a manufacturer and uh, got everything set up. And then we started producing uh, kites. So that was in 2002. We launched our first kites and control bars. Um, so we we're one of the very first okay. brands in kiting. Okay. And then um, yeah, and then what happened was that that industry got very. There was no change in in materials. So everybody was using dacron, uh, pu bladder materials, and polyester canopy materials and uh we, sort, we had what happened was it ended up being a fashion show in terms of there wasn't a lot of difference between the products by say 2015 to 2017 and to to get ahead it was just branding and there was no real difference between the material the, the kites it was it was really stacking up so we sort of had a, a heart-to-heart meeting in 2017 and and realized mm-hmm. that there was an opportunity because there was no alternative to Dacron or any of these materials mm-hmm. And that's where the that was the spark to to uh think boy maybe you know maybe we could design a new type of material. And fortunately, one of my business partners, uh Peter Barang, is is a brilliant chemist and very stubborn. Yeah. And, <laughs> you and have known, to be, <laughs> and knew nothing about material, which turned out to be a, a real benefit. So he didn't have any you know, baggage coming from a traditional Mm -hmm. fabric manufacturer. And he, he he went off to his garage and about two years later, uh, he started hitting some painter, which ultimately became a Lula. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. That's an an exciting origin story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) so there you go. That's, that's it. And then of course wing foiling came along. Um, that was, that was an interesting one. So that, uh, that actually was in a, I was at a, uh, um, Industry event in Cape Town, and I think it was 20. Where are we now? It would have been 2018, just before COVID. And I was with two of the uh, in a rental car with two of the other brand owners. We were going to a meeting, and they started talking about this new sport. I had no idea what it was, and <laughs> and, uh, and I just I said, "What are you guys talking about?" And, uh, one of them was positive; it was going to be huge. And the other one said, it's absolutely hmm. stupid, but we're working on it anyway. <laughs> so, Can,
2: are, you, are you at liberty to disclose who those were? Who those no, who were? no, it's uh, <laughs> confidential, but it's pretty funny. Oh, that's insider. That's insider. <laughs> but it And I, I was like,
0: wow,
1: okay, so hmm, I kept my mouth shut and I started researching. And as soon as I got home, this was a tip off for them never to, to give away secrets to me in the car. <laughs> 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 and uh, we immediately started working on, on a wing. And uh, so... We weren't that early in the wing game. We definitely were asleep at the wheel a little bit, Um, but uh, we we did come out with the first, we we jumped right in with a composite wing, which was,
2: I think, a a good move for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you waited long enough so that it was a wing that was actually worth buying because a lot of those first gen wings companies kind of scrambled to get something together because they knew something was starting, but they hadn't developed it. And so a lot of those first wings were just kind of not worth much. Whereas I think the, the first ocean rodeo wing was already a pretty decent wing. So
1: yeah, yeah think, it's, uh, that's uh you know, that's credit to, to Ross Harrington. And, um, you know, he's, he's an amazing designer. He's been doing our, our kites for 20 years, but before that he was windsurfing, um, designing windsurfing sails, And also he's a, uh, he's, he was an avid, uh, hang glider pilot as well so he's got very good understanding of of those types of shapes of, of wings that were basically what we're using are mini inflatable hang gliders so uh, mm. he, he knew what he wanted to do right away so uh, we we're very very lucky to have Ross working on this project yeah
2: mm-hmm. um, and we nice. did we did
1: we developed all by the way we developed all of that here um, you know that was all done just essentially. This, Ross and myself, because nobody knew how to wing foil when we were doing it. <laughs> so I, I, I think there was one other guy in Victoria that was hacking around. So while okay. while we were learning, we were inventing the equipment, which is quite quite a funny way to do things. But that's the way it was. So hey, that's nice. kind
0: of fun to be able to be at at the beginning of two pretty big sports. Then absolutely started you get to see all of that aspect of things actually take part in development and develop into growth and innovation, and then take all that knowledge and passion and love and then dump that into this new sport, which we have no idea where it's going to go. But it's super exciting to see it explode.
1: Yeah, very much so. I yeah, and it's it's really fun too. It's a lot like uh, the start of kiteboarding. There was a lot of design uh, that came along a couple of years into it, and you had to really carve out a section because uh what happens is in all these sports there's a lot of intellectual uh, property that starts getting filed so you've got to really try to predict what's important and get a slice uh in the intellectual property zone that allows you to operate because what what can happen is you come in and um you know you're you're doing something and you see something with another brand and go, oh, that's great. We'll just do that. What you don't know is that there's multiple patents filed you know, perhaps two years ago on that. And it can take three or four years for a patent to go through. So I predict okay. that there'll be a a big patent battle in this sport coming up shortly
2: so yeah i mean it's already started to be fair you know duotone and the booms and all that kind of stuff and it it seems like companies have found a way around it but initially that's the reason why only duotone had a boom wing because there was a patent on it at first and i i mean you you guys now have a boom i think right so how how do you get how did you get around that yeah so there's yeah
1: no that's totally fine yeah so there when you understand how to read patents you can you can under, you know, look at what they actually file and you can break that apart. But uh, everything is basically uh, is goes to claim one. There's a primary claim in a patent. And then there's all these follow on claims. So as long as you don't fringe on claim one, um, you're usually fine. So you just have to look at what that was. And I believe that one, they didn't have an inflatable strut. So it was a, uh... it was a yeah, but then... There's uh, lots of other patents coming through on handle systems. So, mm-hmm. our, ourselves and certainly Duotone, I'm sure, has lots of patents. So, um, yeah. so the the handle system on the wings is turning out to be a bit like the um, the safety system in kiteboarding, where there was some big big patent battles fought over the push away release um, in kiteboarding. So. Anyway, that it, it'll all work
2: out. It'll all be fine in the end. But it is interesting yeah. to to see. Yeah, it'd be nice if because in kiteboarding now that push away system has become pretty much standard, and all of the systems are almost the same. Uh, it'd be nice if we can get to that point with winging where you know the, the handles are basically all the same, and so you can you know have companies making really nice carbon handles and stuff like that, and you can bring it back and forth, kind of like fins, you know, for windsurfing and stuff like that but I I think it's going to take a little while still. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we, uh, I agree with that by the way. And what, what happened in, in uh, kite surfing is there's an ISO standard now for the, uh, the push away release. So if you want to sell a kite surfing bar into a kite school in Europe uh, for the kite school to get uh, liability insurance, they have to use an ISO standard product. Um, So all of the brands now have push away releases so you notice that you know core had a twist which was excellent product but uh just the whole industry got together decided let's just do push away um there's not really that type of safety issue right now with wings it's not like um Mm -hmm. you're getting hurled but i think uh perhaps ease of like you say interchanging handles that could definitely be something so a bit like ski boot bindings where you can use any any pair of boots on any set of skis and bindings Um, so Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe something like that will come. Um, we have, yeah, yeah, our, our matrix handle system is, is like that. And, um, you know, it's, uh, certainly if, if we share that IP with other brands, they can, you know, use our spacing, use our our handle, um, spacing, and we could, you could start to buy a handle from a different brand and put it on an ocean
0: ocean wing. I, I can see that happening. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, did we want to kind of delve into a little bit, maybe the V one that came out for Ocean Rodeo, and just see? Are you able to share maybe some of the the insights as to what what you found quickly while developing that? What was going wrong? What was going right? What that kind of thing?
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, with the with the uh, or sorry with the composite materials, we you know we wanted to see how far we could push the diameters of the tubes um and and mixing that with higher pressure in the tubes um and that's called a hoop stress. so basically you're you know you've got inflation p s i the smaller you make a tube, the more more pressure you need to get the same stiffness and so what we did was we we absolutely pushed the diameter of the the struts and the leading edges down as far as we could using our you know most up to date um alula materials um okay. and that was that was a really interesting process we've also done that with our kites so you start mm-hmm. to learn the different and it turns out that diameter does trump um it does trump stiffer materials like you can get much more stiffness by and you can by getting more air pressure in there for example in a stiffer fabric so that was something and and I think pretty much every other brand has played around with this as well, so there's a real okay. a fine line we we pushed it all the way in right now, I think our leading edge tubes are about a third third less in um circumference than you would see with a t- traditional background wing um so that's that's great aerodynamics uh, you you're using less material so it's lighter, plus the composites are already half the weight so um so that was a big thing and then tensioning of the canopy is another one how how Mm -hmm. um you know how how is the ocean rodeo wing look so clean and nicely tensioned and and that's that took a lot of work by ross you know and it's just a lot of really interesting tensioning of the airframe and how the canopy reacts um and then and then of course we're moving into composite canopy materials right now which you'll see Coming out from us very very soon, and literally within a month, there'll be the first uh, Lula canopy products out there. And and again, you're dealing with materials that react completely differently than uh, than tasian polyester rip stops. It's very stretchy. Stretchy. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've got these materials that don't move, like they're they just don't move. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's pretty fun, and they're lighter and stronger, and all those things. Yeah, does
0: that help at all? <laughs> That helps a ton. And um, we're super stoked to see kind of that new next wave of materials come out. I know Tom and I have talked about it. We like to geek out on it a little bit and stuff and to see what's coming down the pipe, because the first main wave of wings for V1s and everything, it was canopies would stretch relatively quickly. And there were certain spots on those wings um, that would herniate or handles would blow off or so it's been cool to see those those big transitions from first to second to kind of even third year and um so we are looking forward to seeing what's yeah, going to come out absolutely. with uh with all these different um, kinds of materials
1: yeah so what what we're finding on also on the wing side like we've um you know durability is huge so the the wings take a bigger beating than than kites do and especially just coming in contact with the hydrofoil so the other nice thing mm-hmm. I don't know about you but I, I I pretty much rip depending on the conditions I put a hole in my canopy especially in the surf I'd say every time I go into breaking surf I rip my canopy so something happens yeah, sounds about
2: and, right yeah right, and, <laughs> yeah if it's if it's big enough that that's basically the game and unfortunately for me every time it's an epic session I end up tearing a wing in half and it's, it's kind of not that fun. No, exactly.
1: So they, these new canopies are are really exciting because you you literally can throw your wing. I I I don't want people to do this, but I mean you could lay your wing on top or hit hit your wing and even if you did manage to puncture through, it's not it's not going to prop, propagate. So, uh you could continue your session with a with a slice. The other nice thing is that uh they're they're all heat fusible. So, with it literally, with a ski iron, uh, you can repair this and, and put a patch on and you're back on the water so um so we really worked on this so durability of the canopy serviceability um, and then of course, bladders are the next big one, and everybody's had uh, problems with bladders at the beginning of um, of kiting and mm-hmm. it's not it's not that there was anything wrong with the bladders; it was just learning how customers handled the product so what what we all okay. learned was uh, you know kite boarders lay their kite down on the beach they hook a line to it and they pump it up so the the, the product is is inert it's, it's just laying out and you pump it up the wingers especially new ones will hold it by the wing by the handle they'll hold the pump and then they'll pump it and while they're pumping, shaking the bladders down inside the airframe and as they pump up the bladders are pinching and doing all kinds of weird things so so in, you know the first year of um, of our wing anyway. And you'll notice that there's all kinds of support strings and things like that now on wings. And that was all as, as we learned from what customers were doing. So yeah, it's just interesting how things evolve.
2: Totally. And I'm, I'm really curious because we started talking about Alula and the new material and stuff like that. We see a lot of, uh, other brands coming out of with their own kind of, you know, Dacron, um, alternatives to materials like Hukipa and, and weave and all that kind of stuff. So what makes Alula different from those materials?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, so basically the the world makes composite materials. Uh, there's uh, the Hukipa type materials. There's Kuban uh, fiber, which became DSM composites. Um, so essentially what they do, the, there's a core fiber in those in those materials, it's very, very strong. It's called ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene, and that's a um, a, ma- it's just a, a, a miracle invention. And uh, nothing sticks to it. That's the problem. It it is uh, there's no glue that sticks to it. There's there's really no way of making a laminate with it. So what uh, has been done in, in the past? and all of our competitors do, they'll they'll have to mix in a, a ratio of a different type of fiber, perhaps a polyester or something like that. So it might be a blend of, you know, 60% ultra high molecular weight, 40%, a different fiber that might accept a glue. And then what they do is they support all that because ultra high molecular weight is very, very slippery. It, with it, If it's not supported, with some sort of a film or something it'll it's just like fishing net it just slippery and slides all over the place so the videos they'll bond a uh supporting film to it so that's right now so um what and what that does is you're um you're dealing with typically at least two or three different types of polymers types of plastics so you might be using a mylar which is a a PET film, polyethylene terephthalate. Uh, you'll be using a weight PE core, and, and then then a glue, which is who knows what that is. So, some sort of glue that they've developed. What Alula is, uh, because uh, we didn't know anything about that process, we did it completely different, and that's that's what our intellectual property is all about. We we have figured out how to. Uh, it's called fusion bonding. So we're Bonding these layers at the molecular level, and it's very difficult to do that. So you've got to use it. You know, heat's involved, obviously. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you've ever taken a piece of a kite line or rope and you you try to heat it and you know put a flame on it or something, what happens to it? It instantly shrinks up into nothing. So nobody's ever figured out how to do what we've done. So anyway, what we do is we use. Um, molecular bonding we try our best to use all the same polymer group so that the materials are recyclable this is really a big deal for us we're um you know we're not 100 percent there yet but all of our new materials coming out called eris they're all a uh, single polymer group fully recyclable at the end of of their life cycle and um and that's also okay. brand new to the world really nobody else is doing this um, and not it's not a, even just a story. So we're actually able to take these scraps and basically it's a loop. So we're already producing starting to produce our first uh, recycled product, which is a fiber board, which is quite exciting. So um, oh,
2: cool. anyhow, so, so we don't so use tell glue. us a little bit more about that. That's really interesting because as you're saying, that's unique. Nobody else uses their scraps like that. Nobody else can use an old kite or an old wing. So you're able to take all of the Alula material or the new materials that are coming out and, I guess, melt them down or something to that effect and remake new material that way?
1: Exactly. So, um little scrap. I think we're, you know, when we when we uh, produce, we can produce up to 50 meter long sections, which is also quite unique. Some of, the, you know, some can can produce only... I forget which one it is, but some of the brands can only do about seven meters long. It's hard to make this stuff. So anyway, we can do quite, quite long sections, but our, um, our usage of the material out of, a, out of our rolls is like, um, it's over 99%. So we've got very, very little waste. So that any waste on the out of production can be chopped up because it's all single polymer and then turned into our first product that we're working on is this fiberboard um and uses for that is quite interesting that could end up being like sidewalls for skis um it could be uh sidewalls for twin tip kite boards it could be thermal okay. handles for wings it's it's really cool stuff we think it also has potentially some uh, some um potential in the ballistics market so we haven't properly tested that that's, that's a different market altogether but it's quite interesting and then End of life, we haven't set this up yet, but one of our big goals is um, because we're also working with brands outside of the wind sport market, in outdoor (laughs) sport is where we would like to eventually have a closed loop. So end of cycle, end of life cycle products can be, you know, returned and disassembled and we can get those materials back because we can use them to make new products. It's, It's really cool. So... We want we want them back, <laughs> but uh, that we're a few years off from that full cycle, but it's coming. Um, one of our products that we're about to launch, you could actually just recycle with your uh, your milk carts, your plastic milk jugs.
0: Um, so that's another exciting one. So you could just take it to the uh, the recycle depot. <laughs> oh, cool! Because that's yeah. one thing Tom and I we've talked about before, right? It was a little bit of, of the end of life kind of stage because we were going through equipment relatively quickly. Uh, but it's cool to see that there's some innovation coming for that. Yeah, I mean, right
1: now you cannot recycle Dacron; it all goes to the landfill. You mm-hmm. can't recycle polyester ripstop. You can recycle the PE bladder, so that's that is one
2: good thing that we've got going for us. So, okay. And okay. I think it's beyond end-of-life products as well. I think when we were talking to Yust uh, a couple episodes back, you mentioned all of the warranty stuff that he repairs and mm, the buybacks and stuff like that. There's a lot of companies, I don't know if a lot of people listening know this, but a lot of companies, when you warranty, say, a board or a wing or whatever, you actually you need to destroy it. That's part of the warranty process is you destroying the product and you getting a new replacement product. And that's really a company policy because there's some companies that decide to sell the product at a reduced rate. Some companies decide to repair it and then, you know, give you the repair price, whatever. So it's really a company policy. And I think that it's nice to see companies taking responsibility for warranty issues without destroying the gear. Because often you're destroying brand new gear that could totally be used, though. It just needs a repair.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's true. So we just actually launched our rewrite program. I don't know if you've seen that, Um, which is, uh, it's, it's going really well, actually. So what we're doing is if, um, if there's a demo kite or a warranty, you know, damaged product, we're, we're getting those back. And what we're doing is we're fixing those up. And if they're sellable, in decent enough shape, we actually sell, we're trying to keep our products going as long as possible. It's probably mm-hmm. ultimately
2: for business, maybe not the smartest move, but I think, um, you know,
0: this episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in Laventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple Epic days of downwinding. We got a 10, Kilometer downwinder done with my buddy Mickey from Salt Spring Island today. I got in an epic one with my friend Britt. Um, we went from Latuna all the way to the beach and back. Um, heck of a fun time! If you're looking to learn, there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at Saladita Kite School. They are positioned at Latuna, and now that I've been here a little while, I've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots. It is one of the more beginner-friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks. Um, They do offer professional jet ski assisted kite and wing foil lessons. Um, So once again, they're at Latuna. So if you wanna grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you wanna learn to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. uh, So don't hesitate, book your lessons today by visiting SaladitaLaventana.com, or send them a message on Instagram at SaladitaKiteSchool at Saladita Kite School.
1: The disposable, we need to start using our products longer and recycling as much as possible so anyway, that's the first step in that we're, we're already doing that we just launched that about uh, two months ago and okay. uh, products that we can't resell this is really great we have a local company here uh, it's, uh, what are they called? Oh, i can't remember the name off the top of my head anyhow they recycle we take all of our used kites and wings there and they t- are turning them into um bags and backpacks we just donate them for free and you can go to i you, heard you, about that yeah if you go to our rewrite, yeah. there's a few companies around the world doing this but these ladies mm-hmm. are doing a wonderful job if you go to our rewrite program you'll see at the bottom line and buy a. Uh, ocean rodeo wing
0: turned into a beautiful backpack <laughs> and there's even a lula in there they've got some lulas scraps it's really cool what they're doing so oh nice yeah we ask everybody this and and kind of because you you did help start this for ocean rodeo what was your first foil ride like and and what did that feel like and what did it feel like to ride that first wing and what did they conjure up same feelings as kiting all kind of curious uh, foil ride on a wing or foil ride on other sports like kiting or yeah just maybe your first foil ride and then maybe we yeah. can throw the wing in after sure yeah so my
1: i i had a hard time learning how to hydrofoil i had my bought my first hydrofoil in 2003 from uh Carafino which was the very i think they were the first brand to do, uh kite foil boards um there i think it was italian brand and our british distributor was was selling them and he came to visit us in canada here and uh, we all went to knit lake which your friends about killed myself there i couldn't do it and then i tried it at our local spot at home and i got tangled up in the kelp with the hydro. Oil. oh yeah <laughs> and i i honestly <laughs> yeah. never tried it again after that i just thought oh, this is ridiculous yeah. um I should have stuck with it though <laughs> So, and then I uh, I tried the next time I actually got going was in Mexico I I don't know 2015 I was I had from Nobile I had a Nobile hydrofoil board and it was I could I was like okay. uh, the walk of shame I couldn't go downwind I kept getting stuck upwind because I, I couldn't bear off I kept wiping out so I had to walk back it oh the yeah, opposite that was you know? so tough yeah <laughs> Anyway, so that that's how I started, and then um, that was on a kite, I'm guessing. Hey, yeah, that kite say. kite foiling. So I'm not a very good kite foiler. I can go, I'm a I love kite foiling in light wind. Like I absolutely love it. So winging is uh, we haven't quite got the gear dialed down yet to go as as fast and efficient as you can. On a you know a 14 or on a on a race hydrofoil. I mean, you can mm-hmm. go so fast and it's so fun. I just love that. So. so uh, that's kind of where I do most of my kiting now is is just in the light wind. I love it um but okay. winging yeah i i like i said i I bought actually from raphael Sells. he set me up with my first uh hydrofoil setup, which I still use today. I still use the f one gear uh and I also with uh till alet at duotone I've got a um some of the duotone uh boards and wings that are hydrofoil equipment. And the big difference now is I just cannot believe how great the hydrofoil designs are compared to so easy to use t- compared to what we had. <laughs> they're, uh, they're fantastic. So it's a great time to get into winging um, for sure. Like it's, it's nice to have something predictable and, you know, not uh, jumping out of the water all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's a really good point you're making there because um, I also started not quite as early as you in 2003, but uh, fairly early on with you know early slingshot stuff and stuff like that, uh, and early Neil Pride stuff on the windsurf foil front. And man, is there ever a difference uh, compared to those foils, which aren't even that long ago. You know, we're talking six years ago, seven years ago, and it's changed so much. It's so much easier now, so much safer, so much more user friendly. And stuff's not breaking as much anymore either, which is nice. Because those foils are just blowing up. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and you talk about the wow factor for me. So the I think the big wow factor for me, where we live in Victoria here, we have fantastic chop in front of the city. It's a, a very tidal area, and we get these you know west winds, and if you get the tide moving into the into the wind, we get these beautiful sort of you know waist to shoulder high standing chop. And I knew, uh, I remember catching my first sort of chop and I was so surprised at how much energy there was in a wind chop. I didn't even know it was there. And uh, mm. we all surf here on Vancouver Island. So I know, what, I know what the feeling is to get in the pocket on a beautiful, really powerful wave, uh, you know with 50 other people out there trying to catch the same wave surfing. And all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've got the same sensation on a knee-high to waist-high chop. I've got the same acceleration down the line. I felt like I was surfing. And that's like, wow, okay, wing foiling, to be able to turn the wing power off, get that foil positioned in the, you know, the top section where the energy is, and and have the whole ocean to play in. It's like an open surf break. Um, that's, that's what winging is for me, for sure.
2: And that's what hooked me, yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's exactly what got me on winging as well. I was living in Montreal at the time, and kind of the same as you guys, there's no waves, there's maybe little tiny wind swell uh, if it's blowing like 35 knots. And the second that you get on a, you know, even on a kiteboard, you can kind of slash it a little bit, I guess, but you're mostly just riding flat water and pretending to turn on, on a wave. Whereas on a foil, you're actually using the energy of the wave. You're actually surfing the wave. And it, as you say, it's, uh, you know, it feels three times as big as it is and three times as fun. Um, yeah. and that's really cool. That really makes it, you know, surfing accessible to people that live inland or people that live in places where there's not good wind on waves because it's not everywhere that you can find that. That's um, really, yeah, really cool. I, I
1: love the fact that you can be on a, you know, an 85 centimeter mast, and you're on you know, maybe a one-meter high chop, but you add those two together, you're two meters up now, looking down only a small exactly. chop, but it feels like you're on a head high dropping in on a head high wave. It's so fun that it it sort of
2: accentuates everything and, and makes uh mediocre conditions really, really fun. So um, yeah, for I sure, think- and and there's that projection you were talking about as well, right? Because on on any sort of board, regardless, you know, surfboard, windsurf board, SUP, whatever, you need some energy in the wave to get over all that friction that you have on the board. And because there's so little friction, and because there's so much energy under the water uh, that you can harness with a hydrofoil. You really get that feeling of the wave pushing you forward, and, and uh, the acceleration that you get out of a much much bigger wave, uh, yeah. otherwise.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome, and uh, yeah, I'm really really enjoying what the uh, GWA are starting to do they're, uh, I don't know if you saw the last event; they're starting to push um, sort of in the waves, dropping. You're not you're not supposed to touch the back handle, which I think is is quite fun. And what I'd like to see them do though is. Uh, in the wave riding is start to have events at the gorge for example uh would be Mm -hmm. just pure chop uh wave riding events and really see that develop because you know most most people are in the chop right now i think and get out of the crowds and the surf lineup you're not particularly welcome in a great surf break with a hydrofoil so um yeah it's very exciting great future ahead
2: yeah especially if you have a wing or a kite or a sail in your hands and you go into the surf spots they're not happy about that Exactly. And I mean, I get them, right? Like who wants to be sitting around waiting for waves while you have somebody beside you catching all the waves because they have a better tool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I think it's, um, you know, I've kind of personally gotten into a little bit, the same kind of mindset that I have with windsurfing where I'm always looking for, you know, like really good side off winds and, you know, more powerful waves and all that kind of stuff. And I just my had a session here a couple of days ago where it was just chop, you know, like just like not even knee high, and I forgot how much fun that is. Like if you have a little bit of wind in your sail, you can really have fun on just that, which is amazing. Like it's yeah. it's so much more accessible. Yeah, yeah, it's good.
0: Absolutely, Richard. How does it feel to like? You may be looking back as when you started this. Did you ever think that your companies would grow to what they are? Did you think that that your product would have such an impact on people's lives. Like if we look at water sports and wind sports, like they can change and, and completely amplify and bring so much joy to people. Um, I know it's a bit introspective, but have you ever thought about that kind of Uh, aspect of your job? You know, it's funny. It's
1: um, I've had other people like, it's funny because when you're doing this all day long for so long, you're just, you know, mm-hmm. super. It is ultra competitive. <laughs> yep. You know, and uh, it's it's like any business where we're scrapping every day, trying to stay ahead of our competitors. And and uh, yep. so you do forget what you're actually doing. And what we're doing is, I I think you're right. I think we're introducing people to uh, you know the the wind and the waves and that that lifestyle. And and it it is. I've seen a lot of people. Um, you know, friends just locally here that were not into water sports or kite surfing and they'd seen what I've been doing for years and years. And finally, you know, at it, say 50 years old, this friend will go to Turks and Caicos and take kite surfing lessons. And the next the yeah. next thing, you know, I see him and, you know, he's completely changed. Um, they're off to Brazil to do these big downwinders and all they can think about is kite surfing <laughs> or wing yeah. foiling or whatever it might be. So yes. it is. It is great, and I think people that that do these types of sports are uh, are probably a little more responsible about the environment and looking after things and uh, the changes we have to make in the future. So, yeah, it's great. I'm really. It's fun. Um, but yeah,
0: <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Well, especially with kelp and like we're in the ocean. Like when I'm in Victoria, we're always at a Ross Bay or Clover Point and stuff, and you're always in the ocean, so you're always looking around, seeing stuff. And I've gotten caught in that beautiful kelp so many times, oh. freaking out, thinking it's an orca, but no, it's just it's just kelp. <laughs> but um, it, it is nice. Like um, like for me, it completely changed my life. It, it gave me such a sense of joy and passion and purpose to to learn something and then bring all those aspects into into everyday life. Um, I was curious to see your vantage point on that. And I completely understand of running a business, you have to do things and it is competitive. And sometimes it's nice just to stick your head out for a few seconds to breathe at least.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. But you know, the, the other thing is, and you, a lot of times people turn their passion when they turn their passion into uh into a business, they don't do the sport anymore or they get tired mm-hmm. of it. And uh, I, yeah. I don't know, I've been, completely the opposite i i'm okay. i'm a i'm a maniac to get on the water i'm still like a little kid i mean i'm i'm watching the wind every day trying to get out there and i i don't care if i'm surfing or stand-up paddle boarding or kiting or winging to me it's all just yep. getting on the water and i do mix them up like i really do i'm i'm okay. totally i i pick i pick the right tool for the day and uh I uh, I think that's a great way to be as well, as to to you know if you're hooked on hooked on kiting and uh, you know don't be afraid to give winging a shot or you know something else. It's it's really great to be be well rounded and uh, and and sort of open open up your eyes to other sports because quite often those experiences of being a good surfer or a good kiteboarder will come back or a great windsurfer windsurfing especially really helps wing foiling
0: for sure that's that's there's no doubt about that so yeah it's just great to mix it up Mm -hmm. like um like tom you started windsurf foiling correct
2: yeah that was my first experience on a fall was uh windsurfing yeah yeah and that was like especially the style of uh of windsurf foiling i was doing uh when i was windsurfing foiling it wasn't really that free ride style it was more kind of like strapless and smaller sails a little bit bigger foils um and the foils a little bit further forward so that was really getting pretty close to you know a surf style let's call it and i think there's there's ways of doing that and making it really really interesting but uh, to me the second that winging came out it was just like yep this is uh this is what i've been looking for For a lot of conditions, but I do, I do like what you say about choosing the right tool for the right day because there's a lot of different conditions, there's a lot of different spots, and not every sport, well, no sport is perfect. So you know, there's definitely conditions in which I prefer to be windsurfing. There's conditions in which I prefer to be kite surfing. Conditions where you know supping is really the right tool. So it's nice to have all those different tools in your in your garage if you can. Uh, and it's nice to learn new things. And as you say, there's a huge amount of cross, um, it's, it, all the skills you're learning in each sport are super applicable. That's why you, like all the pro windsurfers and pro kiters and all that, that they became pro wingers super quickly. And they're all pretty good at the other sport as well. You know, there's so many like Goito and all those freestyle guys are all super good at kiting as well. And, and airton is a really good windsurfer as well. So it's, it's all related it's all interconnected exactly waterman there you go (laughs) exactly exactly yeah Yeah,
0: that's good fun talk a little bit about your team riders and see where they're at and
1: yeah for sure uh well in on the winging side of course it's mathis Gio from france and uh he's really our our only team rider and i tell you i've got a good knack of picking the right ones holy cow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. So Mathis, uh, yeah. right when we started uh developing our wings, we put out a little post that we were looking for some team riders, and and Mathis came along and uh he was just actually getting into winging himself. But I noticed on his resume that he was he had been world youth windsurfing champion. Uh and so I was like, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna be good. So we grabbed Mathis, and sure enough, he is. I mean, the guy is a bullet and uh, nobody can touch him around the race course. Um, So really happy with Mathis. And he's um, the fun thing about about him is he's using totally stock wings. Like he's not even using hard handles. He's using soft handles still. Uh, He's on our six meter primarily is what he's using to race. And we actually designed that wing two years ago. We haven't changed it. Uh, We've upgraded the materials a little bit, but He's still, the last, the race um, just finished two, a couple of days ago in, uh, in Le Cat, France. He's uh, straight bullets, you know, took out everybody. And then uh, before that was the uh, Worlds, the new uh, Course Racing World Championship. Same thing. He, he cleaned up there. So, yeah, really excited with Mathis. And then uh, we've got a young man, uh, River, uh, who's in Tarifa. He's very young. And he's, okay. he's, I think he's 16. So he's, okay. he's just doing the local uh, Spanish scene right now, but um, we'll see how things go, but he, he's the type of uh, athlete that could end up, whether it's with us or another brand, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to know when they're young like that, but he'll definitely be uh be somebody on the pro tour soon, I think. So we're keeping okay. an eye on him. Um and then, of course, on the kite side, we've got a great team as well. So we've got mm-hmm. uh, Heel Vloot, who's was male rider of the year last year, um, trick of the year, to the double loop, and then, of course, my son, who's uh, fifth overall in the world right now on the surf tour. Yeah, phenomenal so, rider. Yeah, and he's he's actually yeah. winging as well. People don't know that, but he is uh, okay. he's actually working on. He's an, a mechanical engineer. So, you know, he's, okay. you can see that, you know, he does all yeah. the handle parts and, um, oh, cool. That's cool. all him. This is, this is kind of cool too. I'll show you this. I guess, see sure. this on there. So, that's a new part that Reese designed. He's I got his first patent on this. This is a, uh, quick release leash for wing foiling and surfing. So, it's, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. That's coming out in the next month. So, you'll see these popping up everywhere. So, how that Ooh. works is um, you pull this here and it separates. Uh, this right front. So, there's a hub. Beauty. So, it's really handy for winging and surfing and kite, kite surfing where you're using a leash uh, to reset it. It's on a swivel. You just push and you're back in again. So, sweet yeah so you're using that as a uh a wrist leash or off your, you can wrap that around a harness or a waist leash the swivel's great because your your leash lines don't get twisted up um mm-hmm. surprising when you use this if you're used to using a leash without a swivel off the cuff you'll notice a big difference right off just with a swivel
2: yeah, um,
1: absolutely and then the other the other thing is um if you're getting tangles you know where you're getting a wrap between a, you know maybe a your board leash and your wing leash which happens pretty much to everybody. Uh it's rather than trying to unvelcro when you're on the water it's just a quick pull thread it through and snap it back in. Um so really oh, yeah, yeah really huge like, difference. Yeah and also um, launching in the surf so you definitely I don't know about you but I don't like to have if I'm having to paddle out through breaking surf I don't like having my uh, leash attached to my board with the hydrofoil. So I'll okay. I just drag it behind and punch punch through with my wing flapping away back there. And then once you get through, it's really quick. To reach the, the leg rope and snap it, snap it onto your, wherever you're connecting it to your calf, ankle, or your waist. So I think this okay. is going to be, um, we're offering this to the other brands as well. And um, I think you'll see that. I'm guessing that's going to become very much a standard item in wing foiling. So we'll see how Yeah, yeah,
2: And I think even beyond that, like when you're saying paddling out. My first thought is, instead of you know having your wing on your wrist and trying to paddle with that thing tugging on you you clip it to the back of your waist leash for example that you're using for your board and once you get out past the break then you unclip it from there and clip it to your wrist and there you go
0: yeah now, absolutely it's a
2: lot a lot quicker uh, even putting the band on your arm could be a lot easier if you don't have it connected to the leash like very. yeah cool.
1: absolutely so that. I mean, we're all uh this been in development for, for quite a few years, but um the the really in, in kiting it's great because in offshore conditions or certain surf conditions, you do need to use a board leash, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, um but and the problem with that is as we all know, the worst thing that can happen is your board gets thrown into your lines. Mm-hmm. So your 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 ankle leash and your board are now through your front lines or through your bar. And that can be mm-hmm. super dangerous because it throws your kite in your kite loop and, you know, big disaster. Oh, so yeah. that's why it was primarily a uh, re-invented. It was, they were competing at places like Ponta Preta and those offshore conditions with giant, giant powerful waves. And uh, it's pretty pretty sketchy using a leash there. Um, totally.
2: so it, was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was developed on tour. So there you go. That's a new product for winging. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Nice. Very cool. And I love that it's, um, it's uh, kind of a passive arming right like uh passive reloading so you don't need to fiddle with something to go in and then flip something over and then stick it and whatnot it looks so clean and easy to do amazing and that's oh. all stainless i guess that's uh yep all, all marine stainless yep yeah okay. it's uh
1: yeah we do all the load we have load testers and all kinds of lab equipment here so everything's everything's tested to destruction
0: <laughs> that's that's what you need yeah, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That's what, we need. Um, what about uh, for those at home or even those and other, we have people listening all over the world now and can we talk a little bit maybe about your, your home break or your home, your favorite spot on the <laughs> Island? That's, that's not, um, that's not protected, I guess, by sure. the, like, international privacy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> if, if anybody's ever had a chance to go to Tofino, uh, there's, there's just, uh, it's called Chesterman's beach and, For wing foiling, it's tricky, but um, what you can do there is it's a bay and there's, it's called Frank Island. There's a sand spit and the break isn't that great for wing foiling in, in actually South Chesterman's. But what you can do is go into the middle of Cox Bay, which is the next bay over. And it, it's really hard to get out uh, through the beach break at Cox Bay, but on a moderately big day, I wouldn't recommend doing it on a, on a huge day because the swell gets, does get massive in there but you can ride these giant swells in the middle of cox bay this would be for an advanced winger and not Mm -hmm. even go close to where they start breaking so you're just staying on the outside but i did that uh first time i did that was last uh this time last year and my son was kiting in the surf and i was just staying on the outside i tell you it's it was it was like riding giant mountains of water (laughs) it was it was quite something so i That's a great area to explore, and then uh, the whole Victoria waterfront is just if you like Mm -hmm. chop or or um, it's like identical to riding at the gorge. It's just breaking chop. Um, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we do get kelp in the summer, so uh, you've got to keep an eye open for the kelp monsters because that's not a lot of fun to get stuck in with the hydrofoil. So uh, and then of course uh, all the wind machines that we have in the summer. Nitnat Lake. True, it's flat, flat water, small chop. But it, if it's sunny, it's going to be windy. It's guaranteed. Uh, so we've got Nitnat, Of course, China Creek is fantastic as well. So uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it. There are other surf breaks, but I'm
0: not going to mention them. <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. And um, for those people looking for ocean rodeo gear, um, I know there's a couple schools. Um, I know that uh, that Wind Rider carries your gear. Also, um, strong kiteboarding carries your gear. Um, are there any other spots on Vancouver Island? And then, um, obviously, your gear is everywhere else. But just kind of yeah. curious for people who are coming down there.
1: Yeah, uh, Cadboro Bay. Uh, there's a surf shop there. I think they're starting to dabble in our wings. So okay. that's right in Victoria. Okay. Um, okay. You can always order online, and uh, you know it is. It's more expensive usually to order online through us, but you can order online and probably. I assume pick up from here, but, um, it'd be okay. better to, to get it through a retailer. Um, okay. then you've, you've got, uh, who else juiced in, uh, Courtney, I believe. Does, oh yeah, does some, absolutely. Yeah. So. Comox kite repair. Yeah. Yeah. And who else do we have on the Island? I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, they have lots of great retailers all
0: over the world. So absolutely. If, if any
1: of those guys are listening, thank you.
0: well yeah we always like to give a shout out to those that are helping support um because it being a retailer it it takes a little bit of work and effort and and um we do obviously appreciate them for doing their part in this whole uh in this whole sport as well exactly Yeah. yeah
2: yeah We have a lot of listeners okay. in Ontario and in Quebec. So who who can they go to uh, to get their wings? I think thirty knots in Montreal works for yeah, you guys quite a bit.
1: Absolutely, thirty knots and uh, you know silent sports. Uh, I you know there's mm. there's a ton of them. There's so a lot. Yep. um of course there's uh, Adrian Splinter in, in Ottawa. Yeah, who's uh, got his shop? Um, yeah, there's there's a lot. I I should have That's a list fun. in front of me.
0: <laughs> No, that's okay. It was just uh, just a quick little shout out to the retailers and yeah. stuff like that.
1: Well, I think you know some exciting news for you guys and uh, I can tell you this now, but Alula, sure. Alula acquired Ocean Rodeo. <clears throat> um, okay. so they were separate oh, wow. companies, uh, so Ocean Rodeo is is a division of Alula now, and Alula is oh, going wow. public, so um, it's no going, yeah, so it's going public, so you'll be able to uh, buy shares in Alula uh starting next, your, week, uh, next week
0: your ipo is next week
1: next week on the toronto stock exchange cool. ventures so okay. uh it's wow. been a long yeah so i think we'll be the first quote wind sport that started out of a wind sport anyway um business to go okay. public so you'll be able to to learn all about the wind sport industry by us being a public company so um okay. congratulations yeah well we'll see how it goes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exciting. absolutely, but but yeah, so it's um you know the com- Alula of course has uh you know opportunities, well, great opportunities in wind sport, but also in outdoor and athletics and aerospace. So we're we're starting. That's why it's happening. There's uh it's really taken off in other markets as well. So
0: should, should yeah, can we hear? talk? Sorry, talk a little bit about those markets. Sure. can we talk a little bit about those markets? Because sure. I, yeah. yeah. I know it's. Um, like just windsport people will think, oh, it's just this, but there's so much more to Alula than than we ever thought.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're, um, you know, I think the big, the the most interesting markets that are coming along are definitely in the outdoor space. Uh, there, you know, there's just like winging and kiting. When something's a lot lighter, especially if you're climbing or hiking, it's it's just way better for the uh, for the uh, the customer. So making lightweight backpacks and you know lightweight ultra strong. Um components for the outdoor market. It's something we just uh, collaborated with Black Diamond. If you look at our website, you'll see the new um, it's called the Vapor helmet for Black Diamond. So we we actually did okay. all the all the new impact uh composite material on that is made by Alula. So we managed to cut the weight of their helmet down, I think it's like 20, 20%. So it's now the world's lightest climbing helmet, but it's also got I forget the multiple times of impact protection. So, uh, we, we, we blew the Kevlar that they were using previously right out of the water in terms of saving weight and, uh, improved impact. So we're seeing products. Yeah. Products like that. Um, we're quite active in, uh, in aerospace. So you'll, you know, pretty soon when you fly around on a Boeing or, uh, you know, Boeing jet or, uh, um, Oh God, what you call the, the ones from Europe, you might be without knowing it, you might have some Alula fabric around you. So there, there's oh, a wow. lot, lot going on there. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so there's, it's really interesting. So being light and strong is, is great. And uh, if you're moving products, you know, transportation, anything like that, where you're, you're uh, using energy uh, there, those types of customers are coming to us to help improve their, their uh, efficiencies.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think we're really, we're really only at the, at the start of this, aren't we?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and recyclability, um, you know, right now, like I said, the, the entire world is based on manufacturing for the most part, materials that are, you know, woven nylons with and then they put fills in them of different types of plastics. So it's really, really difficult. It's like a nylon pack material that you're, your backpack's made out of that that's going to go on the landfill and that's mm. the way the whole industry is for the most part set up so Alula is really as, as far as I know I think we're the only guy uh, process out there that can make these monopolymer without glue fabrics so okay um, okay, yeah
2: so that's uh, okay. opening up doors yeah that's there you go that's amazing and I, I kind of we haven't really talked about sales for sailboats but that's yeah. another huge market that could totally use these products.
1: Absolutely. We're we're active in sailing. So uh we right now we're actually our materials are racing around the world in the uh ocean race. So Mm -hmm. our nice we're we're on uh our materials being used in some the really high wear areas so you know like bolt bolt ropes where the, the sail goes into the mast. Um bags that are being dragged over the decks, you know, things like that. We're uh, ultra lightweight door front doors that are on the, uh, the Amoka sixties. I don't know if you've seen those high speed uh, foiling boats. So we're, oh, yeah. we're being used on those, those types of locations. And plus we're, we're in development in uh, spinnakers right now with some really, really fast boats. So usually, typically it'll start on the high end. We'll, you know, they'll, see what we can do on a, a fast racing yacht. If it withstands that, then it trickles down. So we've been working on these okay. projects for about two years. So we're, we're definitely insane. Okay.
2: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, canopy material would be phenomenal as like the code zero or something like that for people that yeah. sale like code yeah. zero is kind of like a hybrid speaker, yeah. which is a big balloon and a hybrid between that and like a normal head sail. Exactly. Uh, and
1: uh, recyclable. That's, that's the other thing. Yes. Um, no, no sailcloth out there. Actually there is, there, there's some out there starting to happen, but all of our sailcloth uh, material that we're producing um, is recyclable. So that's something we're really, we're going to
2: stick to. Um, and for instance, yeah, on, I mean, um, that's amazing. There's so much waste in sales. Like, you know, for me, I, I own a boat and when you, when you're done with a set of sails, you can give it to somebody to make bags out of it, maybe, but that's, you know, yeah. only if the sail is in pretty nice looking shape and, and it's hard to find, but there's so many boats with so many sails and they don't last forever, especially for racing boats that change sails really often. That's It'd right. be amazing to be able to recycle them.
1: Yeah. So Vendee, Vendee Globe that's coming up next year, that's the, uh, the Amoka 60s that race around single-handed. Um, they're, they have a new rule. I think uh, at least one of their sails has to be fully recyclable. So we're quite okay. excited about that. So we're hopefully be, you know, we'll definitely be on one of those boats in terms of certain components around the boat. But I'm hopeful that we'll get, uh, hopefully, we'll get a full sail on on uh, one of the Vendée Globe boats, which would be really exciting. If you ever watched Vendée mm. Globe or or the Ocean Race, get a chance to check it out. These guys are flying across the ocean at twenty to thirty knots. Day after day whoa. after day, it's spectacular. Hydrofoiling. It's, it's oh, nuts. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, uh, Ocean Race is on right now. They're, I think they got uh, one leg left or one or two legs left. Okay. And that's it.
0: Okay. Tom, you guys will have to talk. You're going to, you could have the fastest boat in Martinique.
2: Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I'm actually looking for a uh, code zero. So I'm like, man, this could be such a cool thing. But it's probably a little <laughs> bit out of my uh, racing budget. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> so you're, you're in martinique i love
2: martinique oh wow uh, yeah it's fort, a fort de france
1: summer. fort de france the wind blows out of the valley there oh
2: yeah there's a yeah. huge funneling effect there yeah. and you get nice little swell or chop more like yeah. there and then the whole windward side there's a bunch of surf spots and yeah it's awesome yeah, yeah. yeah. best it's rum in the caribbean from. that's what the martinique uh, locals say <laughs> and i i can't argue with them it's really good <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly Great. oh awesome
2: well hey richard if anybody
0: wants to reach out to you um what's the easiest way for them to do that and um maybe a website as well
1: yeah probably uh through the website just the in, the info at alula.com or ocean rodeo and it it's uh okay. it'll make its eventually it'll it'll make its way to me um okay and uh i do believe we have phone numbers on there old, old school okay Fair enough. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're pretty good. We've, we're normal business. We operate normal hours and there's actually staff here and people running around. So
0: yeah. Okay. So there you go. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, Hey, Hey Richard, I want to say thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks for giving some of that insight and uh, sharing that journey of what brought you to here. We really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for, for uh, listening to me and, and having me on your show. It's great. And I really appreciate you promoting help, promoting us and, uh, It's great. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Oh, you're welcome. All right. I hope you have a great day. Okay. Cheers. Bye, guys.
1: guys. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for joining Tom and I on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time.